Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today is going to be a great episode with our friend Cliff Gray of Flat Tops Wilderness Guides. And today we're going to be talking about boots. And Cliff is going to go through uh, how to take care of your feet and uh, different boots that he wears throughout the season from early season to to kind of mid-season to the, the late season when it gets cold and he's going to give us some great tips. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that Western Hunter uh, Magazine, which is one of the sponsors here of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast, is uh, going to be having some conclusion to their giveaway, their drawing, uh, which is a $1,500 Swarovski credit at the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix, who's an, also another sponsor. And all you have to do to be eligible to, uh, to get in that contest is to go to westernhunter.net forward slash Scott. And it will come up on the screen and it will prompt you uh, for your email address. All you do is enter your email address. That's it. You enter your email address and you're automatically in the drawing. And uh, the July 15th, uh, Chris Denham, uh, the publisher of Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines and star and host of the Western Hunter TV show, uh, is going to draw... Uh, a name and that person is going to win a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product um, at the Outdoorsman. So uh, they promise me that they're not selling your email. They're not going to bombard you with a bunch of a bunch of garbage. Um, and so it's a great opportunity out there. So make sure you go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott. Enter your email address to have a chance to win. Uh, I want to thank all you guys that listen to this podcast consistently. Uh, without you guys, uh, this podcast would not have the the uh, traction that it does and uh, would not have the success. So I just appreciate each one of you. And people ask me all the time, what's the best thing that, they, that you guys, the listeners, can do for me? And uh, for one, I'm honored that I get asked that question. Um, but the answer is is simply tell your friends, uh, tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, also, you know, uh, I, I love Instagram and I love seeing all the pictures of of all of the trophies and all of your training and scouting and and uh, just your everyday life. So um, guys are using the J Scott Outdoors uh, podcast hashtag. And um, so you can tell your friends about the podcast um, and you can uh, feel free to hashtag 
uh, J. Scott Outdoors or J. Scott Outdoors Podcast. And I love going on there and, and seeing the different photos uh, and, and following, uh, you know, the, the people that follow my podcast. So, uh, uh, continue that great work guys. Uh, also thank you for sending me, uh, all of the emails, uh, questions and comments, uh, and people you'd like to see on the podcast, text messages, emails, uh, Facebook messages, Instagram messages, uh, we're going to have some episodes here coming up where it's just basically question and answer session. Um, so feel free to send me any questions you might have. You can send them to my email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, just thanks for all the support. I also want to thank, obviously, our sponsors, uh, phonescope.com, uh, Utah Hydrographics, Western Hunter and Elk Hunter Magazines, Wilderness Athlete, the Outdoorsman's, and of course, GoHunt.com uh, Insider. Uh, GoHunt.com Insider has been the title sponsor of this podcast from the beginning. And uh, Lorenzo Sartini and his team over there do a phenomenal job with the filtering 2.0, uh, the draw odds, uh, the harvest statistics, uh, all of the uh, uh, hunt breakdowns and uh, draw application strategies as well as GoHunt.com, the general site, is just a wealth of information and there's just incredible articles daily um, over there. So go check out GoHunt.com and uh, guys, let's get right to this episode with, with Cliff Gray of Flat Tops Wilderness Guides. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Cliff Gray of Flat Tops Wilderness Guides on the line and had really good response the last time Cliff was on the podcast. And Cliff, how you doing? I'm excited to have you on today. Good, good. I'm looking forward to, uh, to chatting with you again and glad you had the good response. I was somewhat nervous about that. Um, but uh, anyway, so that's a good sign and I uh, look forward to chatting about gear today it sounds like yeah we're going to touch on gear and i know um you're at uh your house is at eight thousand feet in colorado and the flat tops uh right on the edge of the flat tops wilderness and i know you've grown up as a kid uh right there in in the kind of the eagle valley if you if you will um and have dealt with uh you know the colorado high country uh from from you know being up in the mountains all summer, scouting all summer, and then, you know, into the early season mule deer hunts and early season elk hunts all the way into the first, second, third, fourth seasons. And so you get to see, uh, you know, quite a bit of change in weather where you may have, you know, 75, 80 degree days and, you know, all the way to the fourth season where you could potentially have, you know, below zero temperatures. So um, what I'd really like to hit on today is um, talking about, uh, gear and gear that you recommend for people that not only are coming to hunt with you at Flat Tops Wilderness Guides, um, but also, you know, guys can use this information pretty much on any uh, state that they're hunting, any high country situation. So um, let's just dive right into uh, gear and I'm um, curious to see uh, what you've come up with over the years of guiding all these hunters. Yeah, so I'll you know, I, I guess I'll start in order of importance or what, you know, what can really make 
make or break a trip. Um, so we'll kind of start with footwear and boots. Um, and I, I'm, it probably will come across as somewhat overly complicated, but I've developed more of like a system more than anything. Um, and, uh, that, you know, what's kind of ironic about, uh, boots and footwear is that like the September hunts, like your high country deer hunts and then archery, they actually tend to be the most complex in that regard. You know, once you get into ladder rifle seasons, uh, the reality is that it's cold, so you're gonna you're just focused on keeping your feet warm. Um, where you know you know you're gonna have snow, you know you're gonna have basically rough conditions, so you can focus on that. In the early season, you're kind of dealing with more of a volatile, you know, volatile set of variables. It, it's gonna be wet, could be hot, could be relatively cold. So you have to kind of <laughs> be a little more complex about what you're using. So I'll just start with footwear, and we'll we'll go through there. Hopefully that doesn't take up the the whole podcast. But the and these are just things that I've developed over time. I've tried everything, and I probably have a few things in here, Jay, that um, guys may not may not agree with, but and they may actually kind of be be different than what you hear from other folks. And they just that for me they've just come out of trial and error, and then also watching a lot of guys come up here and see, you know, pick up, I pick up tricks from hunters all the time from all over the country and I build them into this. And then, um, you know, a lot of it is just personal experience too. Um, so we'll just start with, with socks and, and stop me, Jay, if there's anything that you have any questions, cause I can probably just start, you know, bouncing through all this and, and talk forever. But so the first thing to think about is, socks and then liners are a big part of that i don't i don't know what you use jay but one of the biggest things for me is that i've i own 95 percent of the time wear two socks um and one of those being a liner um part of that is that my feet just hold up um better that you know i have less blisters less hot spots um so i always wear a liner i i i particularly like fox river liners um they're like a poly pro nylon mix a lot of guys like merino um and i know a lot of a lot of the 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 gear companies are putting those out um i'll i'll wear them but i tend to have no problem just with the the thin the thin synthetic uh liners so and i've actually even heard of guys using dress socks like you know just like a really thin i assume they're cotton dress socks like a guy would wear with a, a suit and dress shoes um and all they do for me you know, I don't get as much, I don't know if it's like a re- reduction of friction on my foot or what, but they for sure reduce um, blisters and that sort of thing um, if you're wearing them. So are these are these an ankle liner or are they a full, you know, like up to your calf, over the calf liner? So I they're, they're basically like in between. They're like a normal uh, like tennis shoe sock length, I guess, the ones that I wear. Um, you know, they don't go up to like the base of my knee or anything. I don't wear the ankle ones. And the main reason is I, I, I've tried those in the past, but what happens is they slip, you know, they'll slip underneath your heel. Um, so, you know, I, they would probably work if you didn't have that problem and it might have to do with foot shape and that sort of thing. But I've always just gone with the full, like normal length sock. Um, and, uh, you know, the Merino ones that guys have told me they really do like are from Lorpen. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, I kind of always have stuck to Fox River because I, I just like them, um, and I've been wearing them for four or five years. Um, so I always wear that, and I'll tell you the other thing, and um, this applies to, 
to, you know, my, my type of hunting, but also to all the backpack guys out there, liner socks are really lightweight. And for me, it's a really big deal to keep my feet clean and dry. And I like to put on a fresh pair of socks every day. Um, and I know that probably sounds crazy to a lot of this, the backpacking crowd, but you can do it with liner socks because four or five pairs of them weigh the same as one pair of socks. You know what I mean? So that, that could just be a psychological thing, but to me, hygiene up in the mountains is a big deal. You know, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not gonna, you're not gonna last. And in longevity. So are you changing your liner socks every day, and then sometimes double wearing your other socks, or are you changing yeah. both pairs every day? Yeah. So I, so I will just change my liner socks every day. Um, you know, and and for let's say like a six or seven day hunt, I may only have three or four pair of wool socks that are like my main sock. Um, whereas liner socks I'll change every day. Um, and you know, if, if in a lot, I mean, honestly, I know guys that backpack and they use one pair of socks the whole time and then liner socks underneath. And it's, I mean, it's somewhat gross, you know, your liner socks only going to do so much, (laughs) you know? Um, but I don't know how you are Jay, but for me, when I wake up on, up in the morning to put on a dirty sock, like directly onto my skin, um, I just, I don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and particularly... There's nothing got, like fresh socks in the morning. Yeah, it, yeah, and it may just be a psychological thing, but I think it's both psychological and I think it actually just keeps your feet holding up pretty good. Um, so that's nice. And the other thing about liner socks is you can wear them around camp if you want to wear a sock. I'll, I'll get into it later. You know, I always advise guys when you're in camp, don't have socks on. You know, wear something that's breathable and let your feet dry out. Um, but if you need to wear a sock, a liner sock's nice because then you can have your other socks drying out or whatever. I mean, they're going to pick up, particularly in September, moisture is basically, you know, it's going to be evident. You're going to, your socks are going to get wet. Tough for that not to happen. Um, so anyways, enough on liners. Um, in terms of uh, the main socks, I run mostly to merino wool. I don't have specific brands that I'm, you know, super uh huge proponents of to me if they fit you right they're you know they're they're pretty much all the same same material um in the latter seasons i will just go to normal heavy rag wool socks um some guys don't find them comfortable um i don't ever you know i always wear a liner sock so to me they're warm and they're less expensive than the real high-end uh merino socks so so why not um i know a lot of guys are fans of like uh, the darn tough brown brand um, and then I, you know, the, honestly, honestly, a lot of mine just come from our, like our REI, um, mountaineering type of socks. And I've had, you know, luck with lots of different, different, different brands. Um, so the third, third part of like my system is what I call like the way you're going to keep your feet dry. Um, and it's brutal if you don't have, you know, even with mount, like high end mountaineering boots, you're going to. In September, particular, you're going to have probably some warm days. So even if it's dry, moisture is going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to sweat basically in your in your boot. And anything that's waterproof, you know, it's pretty tough for it to be breathable and waterproof. I mean, some of them are kind of a a decent compromise, but the reality is you're going to have moisture in there. Um, so there's a couple different things I use. If I'm going to be sitting in glassing for a few hours, a lot of times I'll do it barefoot. You know, in September you know, it's not that cold. Um, and the other thing, if I don't want to do that, I'll, I, I usually would bring like a pair of like water moccasins. Are you familiar with like what I'm talking about? Like, a 
they're kind of like a um like, like, like a river shoe yeah like a river shoe exactly and they're mesh like a, and then the base of them will have you know a pretty good sole on it um yeah so and those are i usually will have something like that for camp shoes too so if i'm glassing and i have time um i'll put them on or i'll sit barefoot um and then i've also used crocs before you know you wouldn't want to take a picture in them you know it's like a big big deer or something <laughs> after you killed it but but uh they're pretty you know they're pretty they're a tough light. shoe and they're light and um they're you know they're they're bulletproof pretty much so so they're they're an all right option too for that but that's you know that may be one of those things that not a lot of people think about you know they keep their boots on all the time but if you're getting moisture in there it can get you know it can get rough after a couple of days and i i think that's the source of a lot of guys problems um is just not dealing with the moisture and that moisture might come from like i said sweat you're basically you know at that time of the year we have really tall feed in the high country here and when i mean feed i mean grass so that grass has got dew on it so even you know even if it's been great weather you're going to walk through that in the early mornings and you're going to collect a lot of moisture and it it can whip down your pant pant leg you know, there's lots of ways it can enter enter your your foot. So I think taking the view that you're just going to have waterproof shoes on, at least in my my geography, is is not really realistic. You're going to have to deal with that. Um, the other part is I do, and I've heard some a lot of guys have different um, thoughts on this, and it really applies in my hunting. It mostly just applies to high country mule deer, and that's and that's you know stocking with something other than boots on. Um, do you do you do any of that, Jay? You have like you stock deer barefoot or anything? You know, I haven't done a lot of high country mule deer hunting where I've needed to take my shoes off or, you know, wear, you know, kind of a real lightweight type shoe. I am curious what you use. Yeah. So, and I and I use something that's a little bit different than other guys. I mean, some guys just do it barefoot, and and more more power to them. I I think if you're not being barefoot quite a bit you're that's kind of you know my feet are a little too uh pansy i think to just go straight from <laughs> from you know and just go straight yeah. barefoot and shell rock or whatever so so and i think i'm probably asking for you know other problems you're going to be always watching what you step on and everything that can cause issues so what i use and this is just uh one of the things i picked up on just by trial and error is um there's there's these things they're they're surfing booties like neoprene booties, um, and they they sell them like in a split toe version like there's just like a little piece of hard rubber that goes between your toes within the base of the thing, and they're neoprene like they you know they're an extension of a wetsuit for a surfer right, um, when they're trying to keep their their feet warm. Well, you can take those booties and you can trim off all the excess neoprene and just have the sole. And those things, they're lightweight, and you can just slip them on, and they're and they're super quiet because they're almost like barefoot. Because essentially the sole is like ten layer, or I shouldn't say it's it's not neoprene. It's like a thick rubber, and uh, so they protect your feet, but you you're you're way quieter in them. Um, I always try- where do you get those at? Well, you can get them at any like you can order them on Amazon. They're just split toe surfing booties. Um, and I picked them up because when I was an, an undergrad, I actually got into surfing, which is a, which is a great sport. I haven't done it in years, but so I had some laying around, and I and I was like, I'm gonna try those, and they they fit the bill perfectly. And I had tried other things. The problem with a lot of the things out there is that they get dirty. You know, they get dirty, or they're basically equivalent to socks. 
you know, and guys say, well, I just stock in socks. Well, you're, ba- you know, these, I don't really, now you got a wet pair of socks. It's, you're kind of destroying a pair of socks. To me, it's not really the best application. So I've gone with those. You can get them on, like, just, if you just Google split-toe uh, surfing booties, they'll, they'll come up. Um, and, and when you trim them, are you talking where you trim them down like their ankle, like they just come up above your ankle, or, or, yeah, or how at, high? Even below. So the one trick to them is there's lots of different wetsuit booties, right? There's, like, ones that guys dive in, and those, and those, the problem with them is that they're, they, they actually attach to your foot via like Velcro. If you don't have the Velcro that goes around like your ankle, they're going to be too loose. But surfing booties, for, they don't, they may have a piece of Velcro on them, but they, st- they don't need the Velcro to stay on your feet. Like they're pretty tight. You know, they're like, they're kind of skin tight. So if you think about it, they look like a shoe, right? And they have a, a like a, a, it's not a rigid sole, but it's more sturdy. You can cut that neoprene down essentially to that sole. So you have like you were talking about ankle socks that go like between below your ankle bone. Um, you can cut them that short. Does that make sense? Yeah, and so when you go on your stock, you're just basically going to slip those on, and then you're saying that they're thick enough that it actually gives you a little bit of padding, allows you to walk quiet, but it also is not going to allow your feet to get tore up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know what's really cool about them? If you look at them, they're 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 damn near exactly like a mountain goat foot. Um, you know what I mean? It's like it's like a soft, like a it's like a, a sturdy, uh, but but soft kind of padding across your whole foot. So I thought it was kind of a cool analogy because it, it's pretty similar, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. And do you find that when you close the distance really close on deer? Um, I'm just imagining walking in like a neoprene, you're going to have some noise, a little bit noisier than a sock, but what you're saying is the overall benefit for padding your foot outweighs being right at the end, maybe being a little bit louder than a sock. Yeah, because for me, you know, if I, if I'm barefoot or even with a sock, I gotta be, I gotta be looking at the ground, what I step on, you know what I mean? Um, Because if you step on, you know, if you step on something that that truly hurts you, when you're stalking, I mean, you're not you're not just going to be able to bear down and not do anything. You know, you're gonna you're, you're gonna, gonna be think. flailing all over the yeah, place. So yeah, so so it's a trade off for sure. You know, if you're just, uh, I mean, if you just have manly feet that are, you know, that you walk around barefoot all the time around, you know, around your backyard, which guys do. I, and there's one uh, pretty well known bow hunter i can't remember his name he does that he basically he, all year he tries to go barefoot as much as possible um yeah and, i interviewed uh randy ulmer one time yeah yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. friend of dar and ice and actually the first time i found out about it i was in elk camp with him and he had told me that he hadn't shot any of his high country deer with shoes on and yeah. i just i mean i i couldn't believe it he's like i can't think of one and I said, Randy, what are your feet like? And he literally took his uh, shoes and socks off and let me feel the bottom of his feet. <laughs> and they were just calloused. And I said, how in the world do you do that? And he says, I I put sand. I forget he had the certain, of course, you know, Randy, as detailed as he is, he had yeah, sure. a, a certain grain of sand that he wears in his shoes and he said him and his boys try and go as much as they can all summer just 
all around the yard and whatever uh, and toughen their feet up. And, you know, I'm kind of like you. I can't I can't walk out to the trash can barefooted. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I know a lot of people can, but I, I really like the idea of of the surfing booties uh, for, for, you know, your final approach and stuff uh, on these deer. I think that's a great tip. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, it's kind of a fun one. It's one that one that uh, I just happen to run and run into, and it works. You know, um, you know the one thing is you do want to get them trimmed up pretty quick because neoprene is neoprene is hot. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, so it's warm. Okay. So you want to trim them pretty pretty aggressively so you don't have all that on your on your on your feet. You know. Um, but let's take a quick break here. Yeah, yeah go ahead. GoHunt.com Insider is by far the most valuable tool a Western hunter could give themselves. GoHunt.com Insider are the industry leaders and number one source for Western hunting for a lot of reasons. GoHunt.com Insider have changed the game for how hunts and hunting information are found. Within a matter of minutes using filtering 2.0, you'll be able to filter by state, species, residency, odds of drawing a tag, specific hunting dates, and harvest success percentages to find the hunts that fit exactly what you're looking for. If you are a guy that applies across the West or just in your home state but want to find some new opportunity, there's no better way to do it than using GoHunt.com Insider. As an exclusive offer to my listeners, if you sign up for a GoHunt.com Insider membership for $149 a year and use the promo code JSCOTT, at checkout, you'll receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Head on over to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and get yourself the most valuable membership a hunter could have. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsmans.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any Outdoorsman's products. Okay, Cliff, um, keep going. I, I like this. Okay, good. Um, so we'll, just, we'll jump into actual boots. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through kind of the my high country uh early season stuff and then we can we can uh touch on some of the latter season stuff um you know there's essentially in september i'm not overly concerned about warmth on my on my feet so i do uh tend to wear a merrill type of like high top boot a fair amount they're just more comfortable to me um the model that i use is called a moab um there's some downsides i'll get into but in general, there's pretty good support. They're lightweight. They're comfortable. They're breathable. Um, they 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 market them, I believe, as waterproof. They're they're really not. Um, at least after a fair amount of usage, they are surely not. Um, but I find that if I wear them with gaiters, that they do. They, I mean, your feet stay relatively dry in them, um, and they're comfortable. Are you wearing like the Kuyu gaiters or what? What yeah, kind so of I, gaiters? Yeah, I I wear Kuyu gaiters. Um, and they are, uh, and I think, I mean, they just, so I think they just sell one type, and mine are probably two or three years old, but it's very similar to, like, the Yukon, their Yukon line of rain gear. I believe it's the same material. And I I tried several, Jay, and, uh, like, I actually, I buy a lot of gear from Kenetrek, and I think they, the guy's got a great business, 
but I did not like his gators. Um, I thought the Kuyu gators were much, much better, just, just more well-made. Um, I've, uh, I've had OR gators. They're good. Um, I kind of like the Kuyu ones a little bit better and I don't know, you know, OR, I don't think, I'm not sure that they make camo ones too. So that's probably part of, part of the bias, but, uh, I'm a heavy user of gators almost, almost the entire, all my seasons. Um, and that I didn't use them until like two or three years ago. And I found that, you know, when you're, you're, with your footwear, you're giving up some things and you're gaining other things by what type of boot you're wearing, depending on the season. But overall, gator make, make, gators make those cons kind of more forgiving. Like, like with these, these Merrill type of shoes, they're not really waterproof. Well, if you keep water from wicking down your pants or you keep that dew off the top of those shoes, they're a lot more waterproof than they would be otherwise. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And um, those Moab, the Merrill Moabs that you're talking about, one thing about I got a question with the Kuyu Gator or any Gator for that matter, um, because the sole of the Merrill is not going to have like that ridge where, the, you know, like the like any type of boot has like a big, you know, like a heel print. And then there's like a, a, a I don't know, like a step down. Yeah, like um, a heel. Like that, it doesn't have like a heel. Yeah. Like a heel, does it slide? Um, do you have trouble um, wearing those Merrells and having that the leather piece slide back and forth, or does yeah, it do just I've, fine? I've never had a, a problem with it, but I've kind of thought about it before. And you know what I do? Like the little piece that goes into your laces. Yeah. I, I I probably don't pull that down as much as I would otherwise. You know, you know what I mean? If you put that down at the at almost to your toe or like the bottom of the laces, it's gonna you know it's gonna be pulling the the um I'm trying the to back part up yeah, yeah yeah you know it's gonna be pulling that down off your foot so i i mean a lot of times i won't even stick that thing in my laces so i don't you know i, I haven't had a problem but i see what you're saying they don't have near as much of a of a uh like a heel i guess um yeah. but they ha- they do have a little bit of one like the ones i'm talking about like the the um they have they i i believe they have they they still have like a vibram sole on them and they do have like a little heel, so it fits in there like an arch. We're talking about an arch, right? Um, right. In I haven't, so I haven't had a problem um, with them going in there. Okay. But those, I will say, you know, they're not a cheap, cheap shoe for what they are, and you go, you can go through them pretty quick. I, I mean, I, I mean, I go through one, one pair a season, you know, a month, um, you know, just in September. So they're not the hardiest of of gear, you know. Um, and the other caveat to that is that I, you know, I don't do a ton of packing like really heavy loads in like a backpack. Um, I like, if I'm going to pack an elk in a backpack, it's just going to be like 300 yards back to a trail where I can get it on a horse. Um, you know, so it's probably all less than half mile packing really heavy loads. I, when I do get a quarter in a backpack with that type of shoe, you can immediately feel that it's not it's not the best solution. You know what I mean? Um, For sure. Like, like a mountaineering boot and that sort of thing is just, you you feel like you're much, much sturdier and you're probably not putting as much strain on your ankles. So that's, you know, that's probably something important for backpackers to re- to really think about. Um, and uh, I know guys that, uh, that in the early archery season just wear tennis shoes. Um, and it's, you know, Again, you got no waterproofness, but they're comfortable, and you know they may bring 
maybe two or three pairs of tennis shoes, you know, or like a tennis shoe and then and then a good mountaineering boot that's pretty darn close to waterproof. So, you know, I, I think, I you know, in the Moab is not much different than, than really a lot of tennis shoes. So I think there's tons of options for guys to look at there. You know, fit, fit matters. Um, one thing great about those type of shoes is that you can buy them, you know, a couple of days before the season, make sure they fit, and then go hunting in them. You're not, you know, they're, they don't have the rigidity that's going to really hurt your feet like a, like a more of a, a real hiking boots going to, if you do that, you know, you can destroy a hunt by, by ordering a pair of, you know, Scarpa mountaineering boots. And then the next day flying into Colorado and go hunting, you know, so yeah. that's there's a, very little break in time with a Merrill, like a high, a low end hiking yeah, shoe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, yeah, basically there's no break in time. Just, you just got to remember that, the minute you start using them, they're on the downslope. You know you're going to tear them apart um, after a bunch of use. So, but they're they're I think they're a relatively good good option. I would never use them as my only boot on one of these hunts because you get where you're in downpour situations. You you do want something that's more waterproof. Um, so I'll jump into that. I call them mountaineering boots. Maybe that's the wrong specifications. Basically, what we what we think of is like a. Uh, a high country hunting boot, right? It's gonna, and the main thing to me is it's a rigid sole. Um, I, I'll go, I'll go into brands. Um, I've stuck with what fits my feet, and that's, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, some guys like Loas, I like Handwags, uh, Kenetrek makes some good boots. Um, the main difference when you set them all next, you know, next to each other is, to me is just sizing and fit. Um, you know, hand hand wags. It might be hand wags. I don't know what pronunciation is, but it fits my foot better. And I always recommend guys. You know, they these boots, these type of boots, do have a break in time, like you know, probably twenty five thirty miles. And and on that, I will say that walking, you know, going taking these boots and hiking around your uh, neighborhood on a paved road for twenty miles over like a week that's not really the best way to break them in. You know what I mean? Cause you're wearing them a different way than you will in the mountains. Um, you really should try to hike with them. I think in, in a little, you know, a little elevation up and down. It doesn't have to be extreme, but I think you should break them in in, in similar situation to what you're going to use them in. Um, but the, the thing I notice on fit is cause the, the problem that guys run into is that if you got to break them in, how are you going to tell your fit? You know what I mean, Jay? Yeah. And the thing that you can do, what I found is if you order them from Zappos or Am- I know Amazon has like good return programs too, you can order several of them. And even when they're not worn in, you're going to, if the one that fits you the best is going to still fit you the best when they're worn in. That, that's been my experience. You know, if you walk around them and you're, if you try five or six different pairs in your house and one of them is a clear winner, it's going to be a clear winner when you break it into. So I don't think there's too much of a, a worry there. And then you can just send send the rest back. Um, I mean, I guess you probably shouldn't get too egregious. Zappos might send me send me a bad email. Send something. you the bill. Yeah. Zappos, just send the bill to Cliff Gray, Flat Top Wilderness <laughs> Guy. Yeah, exactly. So I think if you're fair, that's okay. They're, they're in the business of selling boots, so they probably understand that's going on. But um, I prefer a leather upper on my on this like mountaineering boot um i've tried like you know to me the plastic 
you know, uppers on these boots are, I mean, they're a lot of, they're overkill, at least for my terrain. Um, and, uh, I find them super uncomfortable. And so, and most, because I think they're most, too stiff and they don't give. Yeah, they, they're too stiff. Um, you've got, I mean, there's zero, like absolutely a hundred percent, no breathability at all. Um, so you, you know, you're going to sweat more in them. Um, to me, they're just, they're a little bit too, I mean, I guess what I would call them is too extreme for, for our type of hunting. And I mean, we hunt high elevation stuff, but, um, it's not like you're climbing Everest or whatever, you know? So I think, you know, you're giving up and you'll notice that like, to me, as you, as you migrate to, to boots that hold up better, um, and can take you into, to more difficult terrain, they're just not as comfortable. So you are, you are sacrificing something and they're heavier. You know what I mean? Like a, if you pick up a pair of, you know, handwags and then next you pick up Merrill, I mean, there's a huge difference. And you're lugging that around, you know, all for days. So, um, you know, don't – I a lot of guys, I think, tend to maybe overuse them. You know, they're not the best for every single application. You know, if you need ankle support, you're, you're side-hilling a lot, you're above timberline and shell rock, yeah, you they're great. You That's what you have to have. But – you know, if you're just walking around big meadows and stuff, what, why, you know, why, why have this type of boot? You know, you know what I mean? Um, or, you know, maybe you bring both. Um, and I know that's hard for backpack guys, but if you're packing in somewhere, you know, why not, why not have both? Um, and I actually, I don't like the real high one, the, the ones that have a real high, um, leather upper on them. Uh, can like a 10 inch. Like a ten-inch boot, you don't like that. Yeah, I don't like weather. it. You know, I, I I wear them in our pack boots, like later in the season. Um, but those are much more pliable, like up on your up on your calf. Mountaineering boots, you know, if they're up high, to me they give me like what they call a shin bump, and I find it suit is very uncomfortable. You know, like it's almost it's like, like wearing a ski boot. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, and uh, and uh, it may be, you know, um, who knows, but it's. It's one if you get a little bump there. I mean, it can be very, very painful. So, so I I avoid those. Um, I feel like I get enough rigidity out of like a normal, you know, a normal upper. Um, in terms of maintenance, maintaining those, I use like a beeswax based uh, like rub. Um, Canatrex sells a good one, at least in my opinion. I haven't tried a whole whole bunch of different ones. Uh, I think the little thing it says like it doesn't actually tell you what the formula is, but it pretty much smells like smells like beeswax so i'm guessing that's 90 percent of what it is um keeps them waterproof keeps them looking good um you know just stops any like dry deterioration um and he and you know for my my climate it's big deal you know if it's not raining here you, well you know how it is jay it, it can you know anything leather it can dry out pretty quick so i use that and you, when you, you know, treat those uh, Cliff, sorry to interrupt. When you treat those with beeswax, do you heat them up or do you put them out in the sun and then treat them? How, how do you normally treat your boots? You know, I don't, um, but I, I store my boots in like a heated garage, so I tend to not have a problem with it absorbing or anything like that. Um, okay. So I don't do anything special. Um, it, and okay. it could be, you know, Jay, that like the Canatrex stuff that I'm talking about has some additives that make it make it you know, more pliable that way. It could be if you're using straight beeswax, you have, you know, yeah. Have you ever used it before? 
No, I use uh, Nick Wax, I believe, is the brand yeah, that I use. It's similar to the stuff I use. Um, you know, uh, the Nick Waxes. Um, but main thing is I keep it off. I try to keep it off the Rand as much as possible. Um, just so I don't, I've heard a guy saying that like, I've actually heard of Nick Wax and it's, it could be, it's just anecdotal based on what guys have heard me or told me. And that's that, uh, you know, keep it off the Rand because, you know, there might be some additives that can affect like the adhesion of the Rand to the leather. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I just do it. it I mean, putting this kind of stuff on the Rand, which I, you know, like the, I'm, when I say Rand, I'm talking about the waterproof part on the base. Um, yeah. It's not going to help it, you know what I mean? Right. It doesn't so, do anything positive for it. Yeah, so I just keep it, I just, as a precaution, I keep it off of there. Um, I'll, you know, one thing, though, I will say about that, that and it could be specific to what I use on them, is... Guys will over wax them, and they they lose some of their support, you know, in the in the upper. If you're doing it every time you hunt, after like a year of doing that, they'll they'll be way more flexible than they were than they were originally. And in my view, you lose a little support, so you don't want to like overdo it. Um, pack boots let's, are real to me are really bad that way. Let's take another quick break here. Utah Hydrographics is in the water transfer printing service and they are open to whatever you can dream up. Choose from a wide range of camel patterns, designs, and colors. Whether it's guns, bows, tools, rifle stocks, vehicles, steering wheels, fenders, dashboards, paint guns, fishing rods, cups, tripods, watches, knife grips, helmets for a local sports team or for your motorcycle, picture frames, mailbox, animal skulls, you name it. They can probably do it. Utah Hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turns them into something that looks fantastic and eye-popping. Give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10% discount by using the J. Scott 16 promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at utahhydrographics. Whether you are interested in elk, deer, antelope, bighorn sheep, or moose, Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines will bring the adventure to your mailbox. These publications feature articles on the finest hunting gear, tips and tactics from experienced hunters, field judging trophies, glassing techniques, calling strategies, and much more. To become a more knowledgeable and skilled hunter, subscribe today. Go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott and enter your email address for a chance to win a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product. All right. So, yeah, so you covered maintaining them. Uh, again, I think outside of fit, the main thing you're looking at is like what, what you know, what rigidity in your soul is really what you need um, for your application. Um, you know, heavy packs and rough terrain, more rigid sole is going to be better for you. Um, and then if you're, it's a little bit mild, more mild terrain, then you might, you know, you might give up a little bit on that. And the different brands will be different. Um, so in terms of uh, the brands, I'll, I'll go over a few of them. If that you think is that useful, you think? Um, Jay, Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll go over, and I uh, most of the the like in this mountaineering class boot. Um, and I do think on all high country hunts, you should have a pair of these. Regardless if you have Merrells or tennis shoes or whatever, you should have a pair of these. One, because 
they are pretty darn waterproof, and then at some point you might have to get into terrain you need them. Um, I use Hanwag Alaskans. Um, they used to be super difficult to get. They had some weird distribution in the U.S., um, but they fit me, so I'd go through whatever pain in the butt to get them. Now they're actually pretty easy. You can get them off, like, backcountry.com. Um, they hold up well. They fit my foot. Um, so I have no complaints. I've used them for the last five or six years. They're about 350 bucks, I think. Um, a lot of guys like Ken and Trek uh, Mountain Extremes. They're they're probably a, like on the pricier end. Um, what what do you use, Jay? I'm using the um, uh, Schnee's Granite boot. Oh, okay. And that's kind of my sheep hunting and my cooster hunting and a little bit steeper and rougher country. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a ten inch boot. Um, they look a lot like Kinetrek, um, real similar look to the mountain extreme Kinetrek. Um, they've got the rubber rand, you know, um, I believe they've got 200, maybe 400, um, grams of, of insulate of insulation. Um, and then I've, I really like, um, for kind of my little bit lighter type of boot, um, you know, like an archery elk hunting boot in Arizona, I've been wearing like the Loa Renegades, yeah. um, which is a little bit of a step up, say, above the Merrells. For years, I wore the Merrell, yeah. um, you know, like a, you know, like a three-quarter top or whatever Merrell, just like what you're talking about. Yeah. And then last year, I started wearing the um, a Solo Fugitives, okay. which is a synthetic boot, um, you know, and um, maybe just a little bit more rigid sole than the lower Renegade. So I kind of, it just depends on kind of where I'm going that day or what I'm, what I'm doing. But the Schnee's Granite have treated me well. Um, you know, a boot that I've been looking into trying is the Crispy um, boots. I've had some friends use the Crispy uh, and it's uh, got me intrigued and I've been kind of uh, toying with uh, trying out that Crispy boot as well. Yeah, and then is Crispy the one that uh, are they the ones that are making them or for Kuyu? Uh, are they or is Kuyu got their own brand of boots? Well, that's uh, Kuyu's got a deal going with Zamberlin. Okay. Um, and and the first Kuyu boot that came out was a pretty aggressive, real technical sure. um, boot, and I believe Kuyu is uh, uh, doing some stuff with Scarpa. Okay. Uh, as well um, now. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I think like, uh, you know, the it's interesting that you use like the higher upper because um, you you must not get what I'm talking about, like this bump. Um, well, the know. the 10-inch boot that I, the, 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 grant, the Schnee's Granite um, is a 10-inch boot, but it's not real, it's not extremely rigid um, up on my shin. Gotcha. Uh, it's got real nice support down on my actual foot. Um, and, you know, a lot of guys don't like a 10 inch boot. Um, they more, you know, like a, like a six or an eight inch boot. Yep. And for whatever reason, I just, I really like the Schnee. I've had two pairs of Schnee's granite and I've had pretty good success with them. And, you know, I don't tie my, you know, how they, um, you know, the very top, uh, what would it be called? The top loop or whatever. I don't pull those extremely tight. I wear throughout the bottom part of my laces, those pretty tight. But as I, as I go up, I don't, I don't go as tight. So maybe I don't run into that where I get it 
Yeah, it could be just how you do that. But basically, like where it goes from, I'm, I'm assuming it goes from like lace hooks to like a like a circle is the last one. Like yes, exactly. I I got you, and you, and you leave that one loose. And that might be, you know, that's probably, you know, for me to make a, have an opinion on it, it'd be to you know to check them out more and see. And I haven't I haven't actually I would be willing to try the Schnees because you know they make a really good pack boot. Um, you know the the like a late uh, like a late season boot. Um, yeah. You know the uh, Canatrek and and them make a similar boot. You know in both, to, in my opinion, pretty good quality. Um, but yeah, guy, the I've heard good things about the Mountain Extremes. Um, with you know with with the insulation and not, I haven't noticed. You know, um, to me, you know, the 200 grams of insulation or whatever is fine. A lot of guys ask me that, and again, I think it's personal preference. To me, people's people. Some people run really warm feet, and others are cold all the time. Um, and you know, probably- one thing I've found with insulation, Cliff, is um, I actually like a little bit of insulation because it feels like my foot is a little bit more padded, yeah. whereas when you're wearing a completely uninsulated boot, it feels like, you know, between the leather and my foot, if you're in shale rock or, you know, in desert bighorn sheep country where, you know, a lot of rock, I actually get, you know... I actually like a little bit of insulation because I feel it just gives me a little bit more padding around my foot. Yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, and that and I and you know actually the that's one of the reasons I like those hand wags because I I don't know what the level of insulation you know they only sell like one boot as far as I know in that model there's not like levels of insulation but it's soft inside and I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, it's just a little more comfortable. It's not like every time you crank your ankle to the side, you, you basically feel the leather against the bone, you know. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And it doesn't affect, I mean, you're talking about hunting in relatively warm temperatures, right? Yeah, I mean, most of the hunting that I do, it's pretty warm, even in our coos deer hunts in January. I mean, our lows may be, you know, 27, 20, you know, 30 degrees. And so, you know, I haven't, you know, I've done some Colorado late season hunts and such, and, um, you know, quite honestly, I think I'm a little undergunned when it comes to insulation on those hunts, yeah. and I haven't, I haven't worn pack boots very much, um, yep. just because where I hunt in the Southwest, you know, Arizona, you know, Mexico, that kind of stuff, it's not quite as much of a necessity as what you're about to tell us about with, you know, with your other boots, your pack boots. Yeah, yeah, and we can we can uh, zip into that. But in terms of this, you know, uh, the Scarpas, as you mentioned, are big brand guys like Loas, uh, Mendel. Um, got you know, I've heard good things about them. Um, and then on like the lower price range, um, there are guys that are happy with like Danner boots. Um, I know several guys that that like them. Uh, f- for sure, they don't hold up like these other brands we're talking about. Um, but they're half as much money, and there's there, there are they got a they do have a fan club out there. So, um, and then I don't change the insoles in my boots. Other guys do. A lot of guys use those that lather open suns. Um, so that's you know not not a bad option if you feel like you know that'll that'll do something for your foot. I think again it goes back to the shape of your feet. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah. So in terms of my if September. Usually I got a Merrill type of shoe, a mountaineering boot, and then some kind of camp shoe where I can keep my feet dry when I'm not out hunting. Um, 
as I migrate into October, once we have a fair amount of snow, if if you're having it, particularly if you're having to sit at all in glass, you know, in general, your your extremities are what what gets painful in terms of cold first. So I do move to pack boots. I use Canatrex pack boots, and uh, they, uh, you know, pack boots. You're giving up a ton. You know what I mean, Jay? In terms of they're you're they're good for walking on flat stuff. Anything else, they're not ideal. You know, but they're warm. And the key the the key thing for me is that they. They are almost 100% waterproof. Over time, the rand will crack on them, and I've tried Schnee's, I've tried Kenetrek, and they, they both do with time. It's just a, just a fact. And they, they'll replace the bottom the bottom waterproof part for you. Uh, I, mean, you I mean, not for free. You've got to have them. Uh, you, you can pay them and just send them in, and they'll fix it. It's just, just, just kind of the wear part of those boots. Um, the pack boots, the, the best thing about them, in my view, is when it's, cold wet snowy again you're going to get a little moisture in there and you can buy liners you know there's like a there's an insulated liner inside of them um and i always have i have two or three of them you know that i keep if i replace boots i'll still keep the liners and that means that i can hunt in a pair while the other pair of insulators are sitting near a stove you know wood stove in one of our camps and they're getting dry so every morning I'm putting on a dry pair of, in, you know, the the sleeve that goes inside the pack boot, and that's mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. You know, when it when you when you're talking like single digits, putting on a wet thing in the morning is like oh. mentally devastating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. That's it's just it's just the the you know. Uh, the fact. So, um, if you're going to get pack boots for that late season stuff, realize that they are not for intense, um, you know, uh, steep country or anything like that. Um, but they're water. They're for they're for extreme temperatures. That's really what they're what they're for. Um, and and so, when hunters come to hunt with you in the late seasons, or when it when it there is a lot of snow on the ground, do you recommend that they bring the pack boots and bring multiple sets of liners in camp? Yeah. So. What what I would say is I recommend if they have a good mountaineering boot and one that's got fair amount of insulation like you're talking about, they can probably get away with it if they've got gaiters, you know, to keep because again you're going to keep snow out of the top of your boot and keep your your pants, your, you know, your leg, your pants dry. You can probably get away without pack boots, you know that 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 it's but it's not ideal. But you know I have to I'm always dealing with the fact that you know you're talking about all this footwear. I mean, I'm putting, you know, you're talking, you can easily get into $1,000 worth of shoes. You know what I mean? Um, so if guy, guys can get away with a good pair of mountaineering boots that are insulated and gaiters, but ideally they'll have pack boots and, and get two liners, you know. But you're talking, you know, you're, that, that setup's going to cost you 500 bucks or maybe even more. I don't, I don't have the prices right in front of me, but, you know, just something to keep in mind. Um, in 500, that's not true. I think pack boots run like in the 275 range or something. So you probably, after an a, a extra liner or two, you're going to be three, four hundred bucks. Um, but they're the best, particularly if you're if you're sitting in glassing. You know, it's hard if you don't have insulated shoes. You know, in in single digits or or negative. You know, our four seasons the last two years. I mean, we've been hunting in the mornings in negative double digits. You know, so it, it it can be, it's tough to sit still in that, you know, and 
Yeah, and if your toes, your fingers, and your head are cold, you're done. Yeah, exactly. Because all it does is it's like anything, you know. This, to me, I mean, I love the 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 fitness stuff and all that that's going in hunting is is awesome, Jay. And I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of that. But in the end, your your me, the mental component is over overrules all that, <laughs> you know. So I think you got to yeah. be honest with yourself about keeping yourself in this a state of comfort where you can make it through a seven, eight, ten day hunt. Um, and so, like you say, you can't be getting cold because your body's going to start telling you you need to get the get out of there, you know. So, uh, you know, you just want to be prepared for that, and that's just some of the nature. In the last couple couple of years, have been pretty extreme for for season, but this year could be even worse with, with late dates. So, um, so I don't know, but it's something to to keep in mind. Ideally, pack boots, multiple liners. That's your that's your best bet. Um, and then we went over gaiters. I wear them even in deep snow. I'll even wear them over pack boots. Um, just, you know, an extra extra thing. Um, and I guess the cost to get... Do you wear gaiters, Jay? I do. I wear the Kuyu gaiters just like you do. Okay, gotcha. The only thing that I find... You know, even those gaiters, they do make a little noise. So you got to be a little little careful in, the in you know, archery season. Um, but... Uh, no, if if they're if they work a hundred percent like those do in all the conditions I'm talking about, they're not going to be felt silent, you know. Yeah. There's just it doesn't. There's matter. always a trade off in everything, and you know maybe if you're making your final approach on a buck, maybe you pop your gaiters off, um, and and you know you're go you're going to the the neoprene um or the rubber booties yeah. anyway. Uh, and and there's always a trade-off for everything for sure yeah Yeah. so and and i'm i mean you know i'm sure those guys they've worked on it and and gone over it a thousand times trying to make it perfect and quiet and just tough and it's the same thing um we haven't really talked about rain gear but it's the same thing that's the one area where you know in like in my gear lists i send out to hunters if it goes swoosh leave it at home with the one exception being rain gear because i haven't found perfect rain gear that doesn't make a little noise um but it's super important you know if you like like we were saying if if you get wet and cold it's going to shorten your hunt if 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 you don't think that you're kidding yourself in in, in my opinion um you know just yeah ab- absolutely seeing a lot of guys come up here you know um getting themselves run down is the number one reason why people don't kill elk you know um you got guys that can take care of themselves and, and power through. They're the they're the most successful guys, and um, and that's regardless of age, fitness, all that. I mean, obviously that comes into into play, but uh, you know the mental thing is a big deal. Um, the one other, the last one I'll say, and it might be kind of a funny one, and you guys haven't heard. Maybe it's along the lines of the the booties. But if you're going on these horseback hunts, um, I'm a big proponent of cowboy boots when you're going on long rides. Um, and it's not like you don't have to, you know, you don't have to use them other than when you're riding in. And the main reason is, is that cowboy boots are made that way for a reason. They're basically like a safety mechanism. You know, if you get a pack boot or a real heavy insulated mountaineering boot in a tight stirrup, you know, you that's, and there's any sort of little wreck that can be like a, a big, big deal. Because your you know your foot can get stuck in the stirrup, and that's how people get hurt really bad. Um, so there's two ways you can approach it. You know, cowboy boots are one. 
there's a reason that they're like that. Basically, you're not you don't wear cowboy boots that are really tight when you're riding a horse, and the reason is is that they easily slip out of the stirrup, and if they don't slip out of the stirrup, your foot will slip out of the cowboy boot. Um, so that's a nice like safety mechanism. The workaround, and I think you know I, I always have a set of what we call pack stirrups. They're like a big orange stirrup. They're like double the size. Well, I mean, not double, but 50% bigger than other other stirrups. And if you're going on sheep hunts, you know, anywhere around the world, and they're going in on horses, you can just buy a pair of your own for 30 bucks and show up with them, and, and the guys can put them on your saddles. But they're just an overgrown stirrup, and that way, with your pack boot or your mountaineering boot, you've got clearance around your foot, you know. And nobody nobody really thinks about it until there's an accident and they wonder why a guy didn't just fall clear off the horse no problem he's kind of like a little ego hit that's a big difference than getting stuck in that stirrup and getting dragged 30 yards you know and breaking a bunch of ribs or something so you know i i i I think that's in particularly if you're going international or you're going on big hunts um and you're paying huge money that doesn't mean that like that that's not something you should think about, you know, because ho- horse guys sometimes don't think about that stuff. A lot of horse guys are not hunters, you know, so they don't they don't even think that you're wearing a bulkier boot. So, you know, you may be going to somewhere where they don't think about it, you know, on an Asian sheep hunt or something like that. So I think that's an important, important thing to think about if you're going to do those type of hunts. Yeah, that's a great tip there. Even guys going stone sheep hunting, a lot of those stone sheep hunts, they take horses um, you know, some are airdrops, some are hiking, but then they do take some on horses. That's, that's, uh, you know, I know Brian Martin a lot over in Asia. Sure. Um, you know, he's using a lot of horses and such. So that's, that's a great tip for sure. Let's take a quick break here. Have you guys heard about PhoneScope? PhoneScope is a privately held company that makes custom molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. Take digiscoping photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. PhoneScope is the future of digiscoping. Get yours now. Use the JScott16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at PhoneScope. That's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com or on Instagram at PhoneScope. Wilderness Athlete is committed to improving the health and quality of life for the outdoor athlete by providing field-tested, scientifically validated nutrition and sports performance products. Check them out at wildernessathlete.com and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any order. Okay, Cliff. Um, basically, what I hear you saying about boots is Guys have got to find boots that fit their feet, and they've got to find boots that are comfortable, and then they got to keep their feet dry. Do you have any like concluding thoughts when you're talking about footwear? Uh, no, I think I think that covers it. Um, you know, uh, the the best thing to take pictures in is like a real cool looking mountaineering boot or a pair of cowboy boots. Um, so when you kill a big deer or sheep or whatever, pull those out regardless of what you're wearing. But other than that, I think you covered it. <laughs> no, I think the photo in the in the uh, rubber uh, surfer booties are what would be cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll get one just 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 for you. People people would yeah. wonder what it was. 
Um, yeah, but I like it. Now, do those come, those surfer booties, I was going to ask you, they just come in black or gray or what, what yeah, are black they? Yeah, black for the most part, you know, because most of those wetsuits are, are black and neoprene, so they're almost all black. Okay, so I got to ask you, I let it go like 40 minutes ago, but I, I've got to come back to it. So in graduate school, where are you and where are you where are you taking up surfing? Because I gotta, I gotta ask you some questions about this. Oh yeah, so that was when I was an undergrad. I went, I uh, Und- went, to, I went to Stanford as an undergrad in Palo Alto, California. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I do uh, um, probably when I should have been studying. I used to, used to uh, jam down to Santa Cruz every once in a while and and uh, kind of picked up that hobby, um, which Did probably you- probably the only thing. Well, there's several things I miss about California. Um, you know, the, but, uh, uh, surely not most of the, the politics, but, um, <laughs> the, the, the surfing, uh, yes, you know. And so I did you really of, get into it and, and get pretty decent at it? Yeah, I was pretty good. And, um, I got, I think, you, you know, some people are personality where any little hobby, they, they go full, full, you know, pedal to the metal on. And I tend to have that personality. So I did. I got into actually making my own boards and all that stuff, and then I guess that stage of my life went on. I would have never, at the time I would have thought that that was going to be be my my new hobby. I mean, I was a huge hunter as a kid, you know. And then when you when you go to school like somewhere like that, and those opportunities are not close, you tend to you, you tend to pick up other things. And you know, I think a lot of guys that actually that enjoy the mountains, enjoy the experience of nature. Um, in urban environments, surfing is one of the very few things for coastal cities, you know, where you're out alone, and it's just another way to experience kind of kind of the wild, you, I guess. Did you go to Mavericks ever? I've watched it. I, w- I, I would never say that I'd have the balls to swim out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that's pretty cool. I didn't... I. I didn't realize that I was dealing with a brainiac that went to Stanford. <laughs> well, I, you know, guys slip through all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I went to, uh, I finished at ASU, and obviously in the Pac-12, we always, uh, growing up, you know, going to ASU football games, played Stanford, and, you know, of course, sure. Elway went there, and a lot of great players went to Stanford and played football, and um, but I know that the IQ level to get into Stanford is way higher than my pay grade for sure. <laughs> well, it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a good time. Um, th- things I miss about it, but you know, you always go on to the next, next adventure, which is, which makes life fun. Yeah. Uh, I want to conclude. We did a great, um, you did a great job breaking down footwear. Um, I noticed, uh, on your website, uh, there was a link there to some videos, and you did a video on um, how to build a fire in the wilderness. And to some, it may seem simple, um, but I thought it would be just a good time for you to take, you know, maybe five minutes and give a few little tips on, um, you know, building a fire. You know, because honestly, there are times when building a fire can mean you know, life or death. And so I think it's pretty important. And uh, maybe you could share some tips with us. Yeah, no, I I would reiterate uh, what you just uh, said, Jay. And that's that a lot of guys think it's a really simple topic. um, But uh, based on conditions, 
building a fire is a lot more difficult than people think. Um, and so I think you really should, you know, you can't just go to Walmart and buy like one of those little magnesium things that you're going to, you know, shave some some of the magnesium off and start a spark and have a raging fire. Um, that could happen, and, you know, guys can practice with those and, and know what they're doing. But I, I like a more reliable way to start a fire. Because the thing, the thing that I think about when starting a fire is, yeah, starting fire at camp and all that, that's easy. Most guys can do that with a little practice. But starting a fire when you really need it might be a lot more difficult. You know, you might have bad weather. You might have, you know, an accident. You know, and then an accident and somebody's very cold. Um, and you need to start a fire in a timely manner. And conditions aren't good, dark all that. That's a lot harder than what guys think. Um, and I've been humbled by it a lot, and I think there's a lot of guys out there that have been in the mountains a ton that would tell you the same thing. So I don't I don't mess with it. I always have a way to reliably start a fire on my body at all times. Um, I do I do carry like a, I have a bino harness, so I, I, I keep it in there, but that bino harness never comes off my body. Um, and what I use that what I use, and I make them myself, and I haven't really found any other solution. I'm sure there's tons of great commercial solutions that'll work, but you need a, like a tinder that'll burn a long time. That's the key. You know, the 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 temperature of it is that's important, but the main thing is a sustained flame. And the solution that I do is I get egg cartons. I put dryer lint across the egg carton, and then I pour wax on it, and I can make 300 of these with with my my two, uh, you know, two-year-old and four-year-old daughter in the afternoon. So I pour wax on it, and then I just tear them off, like tear each little chunk of the egg carton off. And those things, when you light them on fire, will burn for 15, 20 minutes straight. Um, and you, that's even if you got subpar conditions, there's not a lot of good natural fuel. You can start a fire on that thing, you know, um, because you got a flame that sits there. All these solutions that burn really quick, those are super dangerous you know, in, in my opinion um just because you got you're talking about like achieving perfection in probably a subpar environment um so that's what i use that for years and i still carry one in my guide bag um i carry a road flare and a lot of guys are like it's almost like blasphemy among backpackers or whoever like a road flare like you must be the worst woods woodsman ever well, if I'm packing by myself and something bad, really bad happens, and I break an arm, leg, whatever, I can start a fire with that road flare. And I may not be able to with something else. You know, I mean, if your mobility is impaired, it could be tough. And those things will burn a long time, and they burn hot, and you can start a fire with one. So those are a couple options. I think as long as you think about a sustained burn, and something simple to light it with, you'll be good. But always keep it on your body. That's the other big one, you know, because guys, guys think they're going to keep their pack on, but big deer and big elk cause more lost backpacks up in the backcountry than, than people people will tell you about, you know, because it's embarrassing. But um, keep that fire starting on your on your body, in your pocket, buy no harness, something like that. Does that kind of cover it? That's a great tip. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cliff, as always, it's unbelievable having you on the podcast, someone with as much experience, 
uh, you know, living in the Colorado backcountry and and um, taking guys hunting. And what do you spend out out uh, checking all your camps and doing? You're spending half the year in the field uh, out out there in the bush, right? Yeah, you know, it's probably not quite half just because our season's relatively short. But I'm probably up there for 120 days, you know, between packing and everything else. Right now we're starting to pack, uh, you know, pack a lot, check our camps, um, check out all the elk and deer. Right now is good, good wildlife viewing. Everything's cabin and fawning, so they're down low and still kind of behind the snow. It's finally starting to almost be gone. But um, So we start now and go for, go for a couple months. In the end, I've looked at it probably in that 120, 150 days, you know. So it's a lot, um, but, uh, but it goes by fast. You'd be amazed, <laughs> or you probably yeah. know. Yeah, for sure. Flattopswildernessguides.com, correct? And um, also can follow uh, Cliff on Instagram. Uh, What's your Instagram handle? It's uh, Cliff, C-L-I-F-F-G-R-Y. Someone already had Cliff Gray spelled out? What's that? Did someone already have Cliff Gray spelled out? Yeah, I believe they did. I believe they did. <laughs> they had it. So, and then I wanted to keep it the same as my Twitter and all that stuff. But uh, you got to go on there. I got a picture of that that mounted that mounted buck got back that we killed I last saw year. it this morning. What a giant! That how big beautiful. was that deer? You know, I I scored him like in a, on a dark night with super conservative tight tape, and it was like two twenty seven. Looking at him now, I wish I could get a hold of him again, or I got to call that guy and have him score him score him again because I think he's bigger. But but you know. Yeah, he looks like a, just a giant. That's a big deer. Yeah, and pretty um, too. You know, he's not like a, he's just not like a ton of junk all over. He's not typical, obviously, but he's just pretty. You know, a huge frame. But uh, that's what dreams yeah, are made of, man. Yeah, that's that is what dreams are made <laughs> of. Hopefully, you'll get to duplicate that this year with some of your hunters. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, for the listeners out there, uh, Cliff and I actually. Uh, I summer in Carbondale, Colorado, and as the crow flies, Cliff's not very far from me here. We've had, in the last couple of days, had a few showers. Has it really uh, come down hard up there in your country? We had a per- couple pretty good ones here. Yeah, a little bit. You know, everything's been short-lived. Um, we're getting major runoff now, so I'm not, not a big fan of prolonged, huge thunderstorms to add to it. <laughs> but, so we've been pretty good, just some little short bursts. Right on, buddy. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us here on the podcast, and I look forward to having you on again. And uh, thank you for those tips. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you. Uh, we had some lunch last week, and that was good. And I uh, look forward to doing it again. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on again, Jay. All right. Take care, buddy.